Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening. It's been a while since on this podcast. I've had a bunch of guests, so it's been a while since I've answered questions and I always, like, I always enjoy those podcasts. In fact, there was a time when this podcast was really dedicated strictly to answering your questions because that seems to be an endless uh, amount of information I could throw out there um, to answer your questions. And some of them are really unique, and I enjoy doing it. And it's, it's, it's really good to start a Monday with giving you some answered questions about me or what's going on. I want to talk about this new album we have coming out in September. And I want to talk about the Earl Dibbles truck restoration videos that have seemed to be on a long hiatus on this channel. And uh, I want to cover a couple a couple of really cool options here, a couple of questions that I, I fielded them off of Instagram. I went just a couple hours ago and put in my story, asked me some questions for the podcast, and then I went through and and screenshotted one, two, three, four, five, blah, 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 about about fifteen of them. I don't know if I'll get to all of them, but those are ones that just caught my eye right off the bat. And it's going to be a fun episode. So these are good ones. Welcome to the Granger Smith Podcast. Into it right now. First question comes from Chris on Instagram, 
And it says, is there any chance that you're going to go on tour in Europe at some point? And the reason I, I screenshotted that question is because I saw a lot of them. Either they were specific to Italy or Germany or England or Ireland. And um, my answer to that is a little bit sad because in 2020, we actually did have a European tour scheduled in September and October. And we had to cancel that probably in April. We held on for a while during the craziness of COVID. So we, we held on as long as we could and found out it was best for everybody. Promoters wanted to cancel. We thought it's probably best to push that to 2021. So I would expect to go to Europe in 2021 for a tour. Chris, I'm sorry it's not this year. I, I love Europe. I love traveling to Europe. I love playing Europe. We've done uh, several tours over there. Um, one in particular was a, a, a United States military base tour in, in Germany and Italy that was just a riot. Um, I guess I shouldn't use that word these days, but uh, it was so much fun. We had a little bus that we traveled around and, and went to these military bases and um, saw some towns that we wouldn't have normally gone to on a tourist route. And gosh, I'd crave it. I crave, I crave Europe for beer and coffee and uh, food, unbelievable architecture, history. I'm a history buff, all the wars. So anyway, yeah, that's Chris, that's definitely in the plan. Um, and here's, here's uh, Mrs. Ashton. On Instagram, she said, update on the house build. So that's a good question. Amber and I are, are going to build a farmhouse out on the property where we have right now, where we're currently living in an RV. And it's been such an adventure. I can, I'm going to be sad to, to get away from the RV at some point because it's really been fun to have this minimalist lifestyle with the kids and, and really focus on each other and our time together and the environment. I mean, when it's hot outside, it's hot in that barn. That's where we're living. Uh, if it's cold outside, haven't been there yet, but I'm sure it's going to be cold and we'll just be very in tune. Like today it's actually sprinkled rained a little bit and you know, you could, you hear it in the whole barn, you hear the rain and, and you hear the thunder and you feel just, uh, very much a part of the land. So, that being said, I am going to be a little bit sad when we have to leave that RV. But that being said, um, we're supposed to break ground on this farmhouse in about a month. So this particular builder, who's a friend of ours, likes to have everything picked out, everything done before they break ground. So that means flooring and walls and fixtures and faucets and all that that stuff. Uh, he likes to have it all done so that whenever we finish that and hit go, there's no turning back. About a month, Ashton. What? This is a funny one. What made you make the yee yee? That's that's the question. And there's always anytime I ask for questions, there's always questions about that. Where does, where does yee yee come from? Where did you get yee yee? Why do you say yee yee? I even tell people in the crowd sometimes. Um, I, I'll say somewhere in the show. I'll say, hey, by the way, if you came to this show and for some reason don't know what yee yee means it means live life to the fullest and in a nutshell that's what it means live life to the fullest it means that because that's the meaning we gave it and going back to the origins of it it came from the very first earl dibbles video before it was a music video before all that it was called earl dibbles jr I think it was called The Country Boy Part 1 or Country Boy Part 1. It was back in 2011 in July. 
And and right in the middle of that video, if you go watch that video, right in the middle, and I'll link at the top of the description, Earl says, you know, holds up a shotgun and says, yee yee. And that just wasn't that big a deal. It was like, it's like an old Texas cattle call. And there was a couple of other takes where he said multiple yees. But the one that actually made the video that I edited, it was just two, yee yee. And that was the luckiest thing I've ever said. It was, excuse me, it's the luckiest thing Earl Dibbles Jr. ever said for me. And I remember that I, I knew it was catching on. We didn't, we didn't think that much of it, me and my brothers, but, but people started coming to our shows holding up signs that said, yee yee. They also held up signs that said, crack a cold one, put a good dip in. I got a tough schedule. They said things to other, other quotes from that video, but yee yee was the interesting one that they held up signs. And I remember as that video started going viral, I'll never forget one day driving in Lampasas, Texas, and there was a truck dealership. And in the in the front windshield of all the trucks in Lampasas, it said, yee yee, in every windshield, a little sign. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is bad. I, we need to trademark this right now because I knew that if we didn't trademark it, somebody else would and then make us not be able to say it. And this was right during the time. The reason I knew that is because it was right during the time when that video came out, the very first Earl Dibbles t-shirt, the very first one. I guess it was the, I'm sitting here at the Yee Yee Farm, the, the headquarters of, of Yee Yee Apparel, the very first Yee Yee Apparel shirt ever. On the front, it said, I'm a country boy. And on the back, it said, I got a tough schedule. I wake up, put a good dip in. Crack a coat. It was like a list, and it had a little check down the list. Well, just a few weeks after we started selling that shirt, we got a cease and desist, cease and desist letter from a company. I believe it was in Ohio, and the letter said, you cannot use the word, the phrase, country boy. And I thought that was the oddest thing. I was like, we can't say country boy? Any on, any on a koozie or on a t-shirt or any, any kind of merchandise. It was the weirdest thing to me. But evidently, there is a company, and they have trademarked Country Boy and Country Girl, and they don't let anybody use it. And that's kind of part of their shtick. You know, they're the only ones that could sell shirts like that. It's a terrible business to be in if that's your, your business plan is to just shut down anyone else that says it so that you could be the only one, but then no one really buys your shirts. Uh, I even I even know for a fact that Luke Bryan, when he came out with uh, Country Girl, Shake It For Me, they literally shut down the shirts that said Country Girl, Shake It For Me because they couldn't use Country Girl together on one shirt. So because of that, it, it really motivated me to, to step up with Yee Yee and say, oh, gosh, we got to trademark this. Not so that not so that it's 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 ours away from just stealing it away from the world, but more so that the world couldn't take it and tell us never to say it again or never to put it on shirts. Can you guys imagine if I had let that slip away? Where what would this what would this farm be called? What would this apparel company be called? What would what would Earl Dibbles say after that? So it was a scary deal, and it, and it was scary because it cost me five thousand dollars to trademark that. And that was everything that we all had combined. We pulled every penny we had together and were able to to salvage $5,000 for this trademark. And um, I mean, that's digging into grocery money back in 2011. And so 
now it was scary and terrible and and heartbreaking and gave me so much anxiety but looking back on it it's probably the best thing i ever did for my career was pay that five thousand dollars and by the way there's also been other podcasts that go way more in depth about yee yee um that's kind of the short story Next question from Bailey Marshall says, what would you recommend doing in the mornings to mentally prepare for the day? And I think that's an awesome question. Thank you, Bailey. I screenshotted it and I can answer that in a couple of ways. One, I like to get up earlier than I need to as many times as I physically can. And why I, why I say physically can is because I need to get seven hours. And I've done so much research on this, and I've, I've read so many books about this, and I've studied history so much about it. And you can hear flip sides of the story. Like I, I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger one time saying, if you want to achieve more in life, you got to sleep less. And I know what he means, but there it's also it's also proven over and over again that if you sleep less than your needed time then you are going to function at half the capacity the mental capacity of what you would on a normal sleep night so if you if you think you're going to get ahead in life by sleeping 4 hours and getting up early every morning like maybe you go to bed at midnight and wake up at 4 and then you think you have more of the day it's not technically right because you you run into the this this sleep deprivation problem where you're only functioning at 50% of your brain or less i mean it's it's proven that you're you're worse off than being drunk when you sleep deprive yourself that being said everyone kind of has their time that they need and i have figured out that 7 hours is my minimum time to sleep uh, I could sleep seven to eight. If I get anything over eight, that affects me negatively too. That's that kind of makes me groggy. I feel weird after eight hours, um, and I feel unproductive. So I try to get right at seven. And the reason I lead into that is to to go to your morning question is um, I like to get up earlier if I can. An hour earlier than I than I need to is great. So if I have if I have a um, a meeting at say eight o'clock and I have a phone call at eight o'clock and I need to do like the normal morning stuff, like wake up, wipe the sleep out of my eyes, take a, you know, take a drink and brush my teeth and all that kind of stuff. Get dressed. I sound like Earl Dibbles now. So if that takes 30 minutes, then that brings me back to seven thirty. That means I need to get up at six thirty to have an hour between six thirty and seven thirty to do my morning routine that consists number one of being absent from my phone. So I learned a long time ago that I can't, I can't wake up and pull up my phone and start checking emails and checking text messages, um, going about, Oh God, forget bid social media. I cannot do that first thing in the morning. It just puts you on the wrong path. So I like to have that, that hour, to do some reading, uh, to have a little, little very prim- primitive journal that I'll write in just for um, exercise sake that I could, I could write um, what's going on in my life. Not, nothing detailed, nothing poetic, just um, 
heading heading on tour to the northwest tomorrow early morning flight um lincoln played baseball with me last night you know j- j- primitive stuff because that helps me a lot to, to be able to journal um and so reading journaling and having some quiet time you know i love i love the mornings it's my favorite time so if i could have a cup of coffee and be outside um with the birds and with the sunrise watching the sun come up that is uh such a such a a key factor in getting my day going in the right direction. After that, I always work out. So if I'm going to have a long workout, I also have to factor that into my morning routine whenever my day is supposed to start. So that usually takes me about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour to get a good workout. Um, I usually do strength training at the very least, get a good sweat going. So if I could do all of those things I mentioned before that, phone call or meeting or whatever is whatever it is to start my day um, I'm just a lot better off I'm a lot better off during the day and uh, Bailey I hope that I hope that kind of answers your questions but I could say if, if you could do anything that I just said anything get your required hours of sleep and don't get your phone first thing in the morning next question What's the hardest thing you've ever gone through being a country singer? And that question, I'm going to stick with uh, the business side. Um, and I'm assuming that you are talking about, because you put in country singer, I'm assuming you're, put, you're talking about the business side, not the personal side. Like you didn't say, what's the hardest thing you've ever gone through as a human being? You said country singer. So I'm assuming you mean business. So if, if it's business, um, there's two things that come to mind. One was, well, I mean, let's throw us, let's throw aside COVID because COVID wins that wins that battle every time. Because the hardest thing I ever did as a country singer was shut down my entire tour, um, tell my band they don't have a job and scrap for the last six months. So that, that throws everything out of the, out of the wall, out of the window right now. So besides COVID, it would be one of two things. One, falling off the stage and breaking ribs, puncturing a lung, and then having that setback of recovery. But I don't think that was as much a big, as much of an ordeal to me as when I lost my voice. And I lost my voice um, just screwing around with one of my, one of the guys on the crew. We were kind of horsing around wrestling on the bus in front of everybody. And he put me in a chokehold with his forearm and it, uh, it caused swelling in my throat and my vocal cord. And then I sang that night at a show and burst that blood vessel that killed my voice. It completely went away. I had nothing but a whisper. And that was the hardest thing I've had to go through as a country singer, not being able to sing. Uh, I did a whole podcast about that, that crazy day and that crazy night and the, the recovery it took after that, it definitely put a lot of things in perspective for me and taught me a lot about myself, taught me a lot about um, uh, the value of myself and how grateful I am for uh, just a normal day of being able to use my voice. Judith Rose asked me, what do you think are the most important qualities of being a good husband? It's interesting that Judith, a female, 
is asking me what I think the most important qualities of being a good husband are. Um, and I hope that I hope for a couple of reasons, Judith, I hope you're not either judging your current spouse or I hope you're not going to use my advice to decide who, who you like or not <laughs> to, to, to marry one day. Um, and as anything on this podcast, you guys can't take, can't take my word for gospel. I'm just giving you what I think. And so what I think the good qualities are, are what I've experienced with Amber. And that is, um, honesty. It's got to be number one. And number two is forgiveness. And a lot of times with Amber and I, that forgiveness starts before a fight or an argument even happens. Meaning she could do something that might be annoying or something I don't believe in fundamentally, but I know quickly that it's not worth it. It's not worth what that could cause if we, if I start a disagreement, especially if I know she's passionate, passionate about it. And the truth is we've both learned how to forgive each other before the problem even starts. So that's a, that's a different than getting in a huge brawl. And then at the end of it, then I forgive her. Right. So before that even happens, I look at her and I just go, you know what? She's a human being like I am. She's a very smart human being, probably smarter, not probably a lot smarter than I am. And she feels that way or she does that or she thinks that way. And she's entitled to that. And who am I to tell her otherwise? And if I, if it's a, a fundamental disagreement as in disciplining kids or something like that, then we both approach each other in a very civil way. Like, you know, instead of saying, instead of putting it on her, like, you know what you should do instead of doing that to London, I'll approach it like how either, how could I help you with that problem you're having with London? Or can you let me deal with her? You let me deal with London in this. I have an idea on maybe how to, how to make this outcome better. It might not work, but can I try that? Can I try that on London? Instead of saying, babe, you're wrong. Why would you do that? You're wrong. That's a, that's not the right way. There's nothing that's going to come out of that. Nothing besides me being right. And that's not fun. Me being right means nothing. It doesn't change anything. So Judith, I hope that helps you. Next question. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Literally the next question. How do you discipline your children? My son likes to say no a lot and he's almost four. Brandon, hashtag yee yee. Brandon, um, first of all, as you know, I don't have to tell you, buddy, that if, you're, if your son says no a lot and he's three years old, that's natural. That's totally normal. Um, and we both, we both understand. It's like, it's like the puppy theory. When you see a, a little lab puppy chewing on the corner of the table, you know, it's cute, but you imagine him as a full grown dog doing that. And that's not cute anymore. You know, that's trouble. That's a bad dog. So it's the same thing when I, when a little three-year-old is talking back and telling, you no all the time, some levels it's cute and it's understandable, but, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, I don't want this to turn into a teenager that's doing this to me. 
My mother used to always tell me, you have to break their will, but not their spirit. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And you, you need to, you need to curb, curb them and, and break their will and show them the right way without tearing down their spirit. And in so many ways you could, you could accomplish that one, um, you got to just really praise them for the things they're doing good. Like if they do something good, you got to praise them a lot. Like, good job, buddy. That's so good. That is so good. You're such a good boy. That was great. And then on the flip side, if they do something wrong, instead of, instead of a personal attack, even with a three-year-old, it's, it works with with three-year-olds all the way up. It works with adults. If they do something wrong, you don't attack them personally. You don't attack their spirit. Instead, you just attack the action. Like, buddy, you are a good boy. You are a good boy, but that was not a good decision. That was wrong. You do not do that. You're a good boy. You know better. You know, reinforce that, hey, they're smart. They can make their own decisions. They can't because there's three, but you could reinforce that they can, and it helps grow them up that way. Um, to, to more specifically answer your discipline question, our kids, you know, all three of our kids are very different in their in the way that they take discipline. Um, Lincoln, he responds very well to a spanking. So I could I could spank him in the right way where I know that it's it's just enough to get his attention, not enough to hurt him. Um, and and then he focuses on me and then I could focus on fixing it by saying, buddy, you're a good boy. You are, you are a smart boy, but you know better than that. You know better than to do that. And with London, it's totally different because I've, I have spanked her a few times and she, she only responds with aggression. And so that doesn't, that doesn't, if she, if your kid responds to, to a spanking with aggression, then the answer to that is not another spanking that's harder. Right. So with London and you just got to learn what it is that hurts them and it's not, doesn't have to be physical. So with London, it's taking something away. So if she's responding with something, or if I'm responding with some, with some kind of discipline due to her bad actions, it's easy for me to say, okay, I'm taking away, uh, taking away your doll. No, 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 please. No, nope, nope. Taking it away. You'll see her in the morning. And I could take away that doll and I could hide her till the morning. And that hurts her so bad that, that, that really helps drive home that she was in the wrong. And then once again, I, I just reinforced that she's a good girl today, just today, right before this podcast, we were playing baseball in the yard and we were doing this just fun game where the kids were throwing a baseball at the barn and then fielding the reflection of the baseball as if they were in a game. And they were kind of competing against each other, the two kids. And London was doing good. She was doing really good fielding the ball. And then she asked me to start filming her. So I started filming her so she could show her mama. And she missed a couple of the ball, the baseballs while I was filming. She got so mad. She threw her glove on the ground and started storming off. So I grabbed her. I said, nope, we're not ending like that. No, I don't, I'm not. I hate this game. I'm not good. So I grabbed her. I said, no, do it again. No, I don't want to do it again. I said, do it again. We're not going to leave till you do it again. You're not. She said, but I don't want to. Why are you making me do this? And I said, because you're mad. It's not because you're bad at baseball. It's because you're mad and you can't end a game mad. So do it again. 
So she did it a couple more times, finally got it in her glove. And then when she got it in her glove and then her face lit up and then I, I ran, I grabbed her and said, perfect. You see how much better that feels. You see how much better that feels. And it was great. It was really, really awesome because she had a huge smile on her face. And then she started leaving the field, going back to, to the barn. And she said, thank you, daddy. And I was like, oh man, just that. Thank you, daddy was this little, this, this little beautiful moment inside me. And I was like, man, that was great. Anytime you could actually do something in parenting and, and feel that reward, it's, it's pretty awesome. So I got it. I got it this morning. I hope that helps you, Brandon. I'm going to take a quick break, reset this camera. This podcast is brought to you by Raycon. And I've talked to you about Raycon earbuds before, um, whether you're working for home or working on fitness, uh, w- whatever you're doing, whatever you're listening to. It, for me, it's been this new album, working so hard on this new album. Um, I, I love to, to grab a mix, go get in my truck, throw on the Raycons, and it's, it's a really good way to get a proper interpretation of these new songs and a new mix. Um, everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you, you can't go drop hundreds of dollars. I mean, there, there's so many earbuds that are so expensive. Um, and so before you do that, you have to check out Raycon. Um, they're literally half the price of the premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound amazing. They're, they, they sound just as good as any top audio brand that you know. And I could tell you that going from mix in my truck and listening to these, it's, it's really spot on. In fact, when you get this new album of mine, you should get some Raycons and, and check it out. Uh, the newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet. They have six hours of playtime, which is perfect for guys like me if I'm on an airplane or on the bus and I, I don't, I'm not around a charger. Uh, they have seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. It's really important to kind of block out the world around you. Um, you've, you guys have, have heard me talk about the, the, all the different celebrities that in, endorse these guys like Snoop Dogg. I mean, if it's good enough for Snoop, right? Um, th- these, there's so many celebrities that are obsessed with Raycons and that should really say something. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. So get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Granger. That's buyraycon.com slash Granger. You get 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Granger. That's G-R-A-N-G-E-R. Use that promo code and... Uh, get them and then let me know what you think. You can get that 50% off. So many questions have been coming in about this new album and it's, it's hard for me to answer it right now um, because I know a lot about it and I could tell you a lot about it, but, I, but, but I'm kind of have, have my hands tied a little bit because we're, we're going to do some official announcements as they come. So I could tell you this, it's coming at the end of September. I could also tell you and I'll drop this information on the podcast. And no one else knows this information, okay? The only time I'll say it is right here on this podcast. You ready? There's going to be more after the September release, okay? So the, the, the music's going to come out at the end of September. 
but that won't be the end of it. You're going to be getting a lot of music from me this fall. We'll put it that way, okay? And I'm very excited about it. We'll say that too. Here's, here's a question that says, what's your favorite muscle car? I like that question because I would say 1969 Charger. I grew up watching Dukes of Hazard. I've always loved that car. And guess what? I've never driven one. I've never driven a 69 Charger. So hey, if any of you guys have one out there and you want to come to the Yee Farm, drive it down the Yee Farm, we'll do a video. We'll do a podcast. We'll talk about what it's like to drive a 69 Charger. I would love that. Um, another question about the new album. Have you rehearsed any of the new songs for playing live yet? Yes, buddy, we have. Um, we just started as I get together with the band, either one of these live at the Yee farm sessions or these little tours that we've been running on. Uh, we've been kind of getting together and a lot of these guys played on the album, so they already know them pretty well. In fact, fish, my guitar player on my right side, if you're looking at me, your left side on the stage, uh, he produced a lot of songs with me. So he knows them backwards and forwards. And we can't wait to, God, we cannot wait to start digging in and, and playing these. And I could tell you something else. Here's another nugget I'll drop on the podcast. You're going to get your first taste of it this month. Okay? You're going to get a taste of it this month. It might be the end of the month, but just saying. Really, really exciting. Dylan says, any advice for someone trying to follow in your footsteps? You're my idol and want to be an artist. Um, yeah, buddy. Let me just, let me say, first of all, on to your question, I don't like that word idol, man. I don't like that word idol. Uh, I know what you mean. I appreciate it. I'm grateful for you. Um, at the same time, no humans are idols because humans are just going to fail you. So you put too much hope in one person and one human, eventually they're going to do something that you don't like. And what that kind of, that kind of hurts. So, um, make God your idol, buddy. Cause I'm, I'm going to mess it up for you, dude. I'm going to mess it up for you. Um, my, my number one advice is wherever you are, Dylan, whatever hometown you're in, stay in your hometown and play the music there. Play to your buddies, play to your friends, play as that group grows and builds out and builds out and out and out and and write songs about your hometown and write songs about your buddies and write songs about right there what you know. And if you don't write songs, that's another piece of advice. Write songs. If you don't know an instrument like a guitar or a piano, learn an instrument. YouTube is full of great tutorials now. But but learn an instrument, write some songs, but stay in your hometown. Don't go to Nashville or LA or New York. You don't need to do that anymore. And it's just a cesspool of corruption, music corruption. We, you know, there's so many good people there, but the, the collection of the good people starts making bad things happen. And um, you, you don't want to, you don't want to throw away all your time doing that. So stay in your hometown, crank it up, play in your local bars. If you don't, if you don't have a gig at the local bar, go to your local bar and ask if you could host a, an open mic night. Obviously it's a weird time right now with COVID, but eventually host an open mic night and just tell the guy, I, I, I went to this place when I lived in college station, Texas, and I just went in there. No one knew who I was. The owner didn't know who I was. I just, Hey man, I'm Granger Smith. I'm a singer. Um, I know you don't know me, but would you let me come in here on Thursday nights at 7 PM and host an open mic night? 
And if you let me do that, could I play some of my original music in between guests? And he was like, how much? And I was like, I'll do it for tips. You don't have to pay me a penny. I'll do it for tips. And he said yes, and that grew and grew and grew, and pretty soon we had a pretty good crowd there every Thursday. And I, I built a band, and then we started playing. The band started playing there. It's like I had a gig every single week right there. So, And it doesn't have to be a big place either. Timothy says, what career achievement, what career achievement has meant most to you? And, man, that's... that's um, that's another tough question about music business that I would say, I would say getting a number one song on billboard and media base, um, having that was the greatest achievement. It didn't last very long. It only lasted, you know, that week what we were number one. And then it was all about the next single and the next album and the next tour. But, but during that moment, um, just relishing that moment was amazing and being able to hang, hang the plaque on the wall that said number one song in in all of the world, you know, that's, uh, that's my biggest career achievement. Um, another music question. I'm dying to know your writing process. Do you write all the music parts? So my music process, and I've talked a little bit on this podcast about it, but my, my writing process, um, could come from different places. Sometimes it can, it can come from a title or a first line or a, a line in the chorus. It could also come from just a melody that I'm humming in my head and I have some kind of melody in my head. And I, I, I take notes on the, the lyric things on my little my phone here. And then I'll, sing the melodies on my voice memos on my phone and record those. Sometimes the whole song comes together as a package in my head, but most of the time they're separate melodies and lyrics. And so that I have to, if I get a really cool melody in my head, I pull up my notes and I flip through the lyrics and I th- see if anything sounds like that. Like, does anything match that musically? And vice versa, if I get a really cool lyric and I think I got to write this title, then I'll start flipping through my voice memos and listening to me ridiculously hum a melody or play something on the guitar. And I'll see if any melodies match that lyric. And you, you really know right away when a lyric matches a melody, it's like, Oh, that's it. Or no, that's definitely not it. You, you just kind of know. And to your question, do you write all the music parts? I do, but I don't write them in a sense of uh, um, musical graphs. Like I don't have to get a a music graph and draw out the notes. I I could just uh, write a music chart, which is a number chart, which is just chords. And then I could record that. And then when I bring people in to record an album, they could play off of what I did on my work tape, my original work tape. And luckily I do all my own recording so I'm right there with everyone when a guitar player comes in or a keyboard player comes in but I also trust heavily on the musicians so I have a couple guys that I really trust like a keyboard or guitar and I could I could sit down and say hey here's here's my idea but you do what you do and they hear it and they go, oh, what if we tried this? And here comes this beautiful piano, keyboard, whatever, part, fiddle, steel. 
and um, it just comes flowing out, and a song is born that way. Ooh, here we go, switching gears a little bit. Molly says, do you believe in baptism in addition to asking God into your heart to be saved? And then suddenly the podcast took a turn. Um, let me read that question again. Do you believe in baptism in addition to asking God into your heart to be saved? My answer is a definite no. I do not believe in baptism in addition to God, to asking God into your heart to be saved. So she's referring to, Molly is referring to Christianity and a major, um, a major turning point in Christianity that happened about 500 years ago after the Roman Catholic Church. So um, just a quick recap of, of the history of Christianity. If anyone is wondering, uh, it started, it started with, uh, the, the God of the Jews. So it was the Jewish faith and everyone that believed in Israel, that believed in the God of Israel, the God of Moses and the God of Abraham, uh, they were waiting for a Messiah that was prophesied to them through the Old Testament scriptures. So they were waiting on this Messiah. In steps Jesus. Most of you know Jesus, or at least the story of him. Uh, Jesus came to the earth, uh, born of a virgin, and came in a way that it was prophesied exactly. But most people were expecting a big, powerful king that would come in and free the Jewish people of all their bonds that they had to the Roman Empire at the time. And here comes Jesus, a son of a carpenter, and uh, very modest, preaching love and talking to children and, and mingling with the poor and prostitutes and thieves. And he was preaching to them. And people, a lot of people could not understand that. That was the first division of Christ versus Judaism. So then the second division comes soon to help your question, Molly. The second division comes literally 500 years later when after Jesus is gone and he's not on earth anymore, the Roman Empire gets taken over by the church. And that is a long process of how that happens. But it, it happened with the emperor at the time, becomes converted to Christianity. When they found out truly that Jesus' message was, if you believe in me, you will be saved. Through faith, right? So faith in me, will grant you my grace and the keys to heaven. So it's faith by grace to eternity. And it's so simple. That's the easiest idea, but, but that's what he preached. And that's what all the apostle preached, all the apostles preached. But when it, when it became a government soon after, a few hundred years later, it was, there, there was a huge worry that the people would start living 
uh, in terrible lives. If all they had to do was, was believe, or as, as Molly says, ask God into your heart to be saved. If that's all it took to be saved, then they worried that people would live crazy lives and it would be, it would be chaos. So they wanted to add a bunch of things. The Catholic Church wanted to make sure that you needed to do this and this and then pray to the Virgin Mary and make sure you get baptized and make sure you, you um, go to Mass and, and make sure you're a good person and, and put all these things on, on human virtue when um, Christ preached that human virtue is never going to be enough. It's never enough. No matter what you do, no matter what sin you have, no matter how good you are, that's never enough to get in heaven. Only, only truly faith in him would save you. So if I, about 500 years after Christ, um, the reformists come in, guys like Martin Luther, and they came in and they were looking at the Catholic Church who was making you get baptized. Like, if you don't get baptized, you're not going to heaven. Guys like Martin Luther said, uh... Guys, I don't think that's right. Like, where, where in the Bible does it say you have to get baptized or you're not going to heaven? Where in the Bible does it say that we need to, to ask, ask forgiveness from the Pope and then, or a priest, and then the priest would give us forgiveness? Where does it say that? I thought it was supposed to be all about Jesus. So that was a big, really big deal, and it was the official split of Protestants from the Catholics. Long story short, this has been a huge tangent, but Molly, I am a Protestant. I believe that through faith alone are you saved. <laughs> and then we switch to, will there be a pre-order to the new album? Yes, we will. There will be a pre-order to the new album, and there will be a pre-order. I'm almost sure, breaking news on this podcast, I'm almost sure at the end of August. Um, ben says, what drew you to music as a kid, especially George Strait, and how did that shape you? Man, I think, it, Ben, I think it was all about girls, honestly, because I, I saw it, there were some friends of mine that played guitar, and they were, you know, a lot of girls like that. A lot of girls like the guys that played guitar and the guys that sang when they played guitar. And I just remember thinking, like, I want to be one of those guys. I want to have that edge. <laughs> so I learned guitar first. Uh, I learned to sing second. And then I saw George Strait third. And those sequences, uh, those sequence of events um, heavily shaped me and drew me into music to answer your question, Ben. Um, here's a question. How's Earl's truck going? Man. I think that's the most popular question on my YouTube page right now. And we've been on this hiatus from fixing Earl's truck. We're doing this series called Restoring Earl Dibble's Old Truck. And we've been on a hiatus because we finished all of our parts. We took the truck all the way down to the frame, and we finished that, and we took the the body to the uh, to the auto body shop to put a new roof on that was ruined. So we had to put a new roof on the body, and... As as we took it there, a massive hailstorm hit the state of Texas about two months ago and swamped the auto body shop with work. So they had to stick with all that real money coming in before they could take on a fun project like ours, and it put us on the back burner. So it's hugely disappointing. 
I'm very frustrated about it. I understand where they're, they're coming from. They got to, they got to chase the money. They got to do that. Um, but they keep telling me that they're going to get on it. So I'm expecting a new episode of restoring the truck very soon. I might go film one tomorrow. And, um, and then after that, we should get this, this, uh, this cab going at the auto body shop. So I'm sorry to everyone that's, that's waiting on it. And I, and I just got to tell you that I'm just as frustrated as you guys are for sure. Here's one from Dirk. It says, what do you do when all the band members do not agree on an issue? And I think it's a great question. And that's why I screenshotted it because it could kind of relate to so many things in life and anyone else that's, that works with a group of people or has a group of friends or a family or we, we, we're just going to have disagreements. We just are. In fact, um, this last tour, we had a, a pretty, pretty deep disagreement and, um, it was, it was a crew, two crew members versus pretty much everyone else. And my first and foremost, I like to hear everybody out. I don't like them to, I don't like them to be uh, rude about it. I don't like, you know, I don't like anyone to be called out or, um, or put down personally, personal attacks, but I like to hear them out. So I want to hear them out personally first hear what they got to say and hear their, their, their best argument for whatever they want, whatever their disagreement is. And then I like to get everybody together. And if it's not worked out by then, then when everyone comes together, I can kind of become the mediator and say, okay, here's what this person thinks. And here's why they think it. And here's why I think that they have a good point, And here's why I think I could see why they're wrong. And then everyone else kind of chimes in and it's, we essentially have a big vote. So we'll have half the crew saying, man, this is, this is crazy. I don't, and then these guys are saying, well, have you thought of it this way? And almost every time when we do that, people start putting themselves in, in the other person's shoes and it really diffuses the situation. So if we get in front of each other, instead of texting or the worst thing that could happen is two little groups start texting each other. And then this group starts texting each other. And then they come to me and they're like, do you hear what that group's saying? And they're like, yeah, don't listen to that group. They're lying to you. They're kissing up to you. Whatever. That's, that seems to be a popular thing to say. So, but once we get face to face and we get everybody on the bus or everyone, you know, that we did this, um, in, in Wichita, Kansas, literally last week, we, we stopped the bus and I said, all right, we want to have a meeting. We have a lot of meetings. <laughs> And we all get out, we get outside the bus and, and I kind of lead it like you know, a courtroom. It's like, okay, here's this, here's this case. And in respect to this person, we're going to modify what we're doing a little bit because they feel so passionately about it. But in respect to this person over here, you need to settle down a little bit. And then what I love to do is if anyone's called out or, or, or put down or there's a personal attack going on, I always love to hear a public apology in front of everyone. And I require it. So that person has to get up and just say, from the heart, guys, I'm sorry for overreacting on the group text or the email or last night. Sorry for yelling. Um, I was out of line. Shouldn't have done it. I wish I wouldn't have sent that text. Um, I now see things a little bit differently. Um, I still feel passionately about this subject. 
And then every time that happens, everything's defused. And then people just, it becomes not that big a deal. It's that old saying, is this the hill you want to die on? And it usually becomes not that big a deal. Last question says, when can we expect some previews from the new album? Man, um, I'm so excited to show you guys this new album. I'm so excited to show you some previews. Um, we're kind of filming some music video stuff right now. So I would say um, the, the same answer I've said three times on this podcast so far, the month of August. Expect in this month, might be the end of it, but expect this month you're going to start getting previews or samples or teases, but you'll definitely get um, you'll definitely get some stuff this month and then you're going to have the full album in September. And then that's not the last thing you're, you're going to expect from me this fall. So a lot of really cool stuff coming. Uh, if, if you have a, another question, comment below, if you're on YouTube, comment below and, uh, we'll try to get that uh, to that on the next time, but love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I love this, this, uh, platform that I get to sit here on this podcast and talk to you guys. So Appreciate you so much. We'll see you next time. Yee yee. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.